0: Welcome to the Journey Church Houston podcast. The Journey is a church plant in Houston, Texas, inviting people on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Whether you are a skeptic, a spiritual seeker, or a committed follower of Jesus Christ, we pray this podcast engages your heart and your mind with the truth claims of Christianity, why it's believable, and how it makes sense of the lives in the world. And we hope you are inspired to take your next step in your spiritual journey. In this episode, I, Mace, continue our series on relational evangelism. Faith is a journey, and it starts with someone going from unknown to known. So if we want to share the good news of Jesus with the people where they live, work, learn, and play, we want to develop the skills of asking good, open-ended questions, and actively listening. As we do, we get to know people's stories and where they are on their spiritual journeys, and they feel seen, known, and loved. So let's take a listen as I continue our Relational Evangelism series. All right. So, as we have said from day one of the journey, we exist because we have a mission. In the words of Jesus, our mission is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The church, and our church in particular, exists to proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ, to invite people to believe the gospel, to welcome them into Christian community, and to help one another grow in our faith. And our unique expression of this mission is to invite people on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. And we do this because the Great Commission is one of the ways that we fulfill the Great Commandment. That the Great Commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, through Christ, we have access to the one who is truth to the one who is goodness, to the one who is beauty, and we want others to know him as well. And so that's why one of our fundamental desires is to be an evangelistic church. And so to that end, we are now in week two of a series that Stephen kicked off last week for us on relational evangelism. And by way of reminder, evangelism comes from the same root word as the word gospel. Gospel means good news, and the Christian gospel in particular is the good news that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we can have forgiveness of sins and resurrection to eternal life because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the evangel. And so evangelism means sharing this good news with others. And the idea of relational evangelism is the The idea that we believe in this increasingly post-Christian and post-modern era that most people are going to come to faith in Christ through the context of relationships. That if we want to reach people for Christ, if we want to be faithful to this mission that Christ has given us, that we cannot wait for people to come to us. We have to go to them. Or, perhaps it might be even uh, more accurate to say that There are already people in our lives who don't yet know Jesus or who don't have Christian community. They're already in our spheres of influence where we live, work, play, and learn. In our neighborhoods, our jobs, our schools, our hobbies, our kids' activities, our favorite restaurants, our coffee shops. There are people that God has specifically placed around us, not by accident, but because he wants us to be instruments of spreading this good news in each of those spheres of influence. Stephen last week uh, reminded us this idea that we want to constantly be encouraging one another to have a top five. That's the five people in our lives in those spheres of influence that don't yet know Jesus or don't yet have a local church community, that we are intentionally and regularly seeking out opportunities to have spiritual conversations with them, to share the gospel with them. We're praying for their salvation. We're praying for spiritual fruit in their lives. And so he challenged us, if we hadn't already, to come up with that top five and then start to write out some spiritual biographies, to start to think through and write down what it is about those people in our top five, what, it, what do we know about where they are in their spiritual journeys? Um, so our goal is to come alongside people within our spheres of influence and help them take steps forward in their spiritual journeys. And As Stephen taught us last week, uh, a typical spiritual journey might look something like this. Be known, be curious, believe, belong, become. Be sent. These aren't necessarily steps. It's not necessarily a, that it's a, a, a super linear process that happens the same way for every person, but these are general waypoints. I'd like that phrase that he used last week, that people tend to move through. And so our focus for this series on evangelism is really those first three waypoints: that that top row there. Um, be known, be curious believe. Say those with me. Be known, be curious, believe. Thank you. So be known. That The first step is for someone, for someone to go from being a believer, excuse me, to, from being an unbeliever to a believer, is that they be known by someone who is a believer, someone who knows Jesus. And then be curious is this idea that as that relationship is cultivated and grows, that the non-believer would see us And realize that we are living life based on a different story. A truer, better, more beautiful story. And that they would start to become spiritually curious. And that believe that they would come to a point where they would hear and respond in faith to the gospel. And so today we're really going to focus in on the first step. And that is going from unknown to known. So how will the unbelieving people in our spheres of influence go from becoming unknown to being known? Well, in a word, the answer is questions. That asking questions is perhaps the most powerful missional tool we have in our tool belts. Francis Schaefer used to say that if he had an hour to sit down with someone and share the gospel with them, that he would spend the first 55 minutes listening so that in the last five minutes he would have something meaningful to say. And then we look at the example of our our Lord himself, that people who have studied this have uh, found that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus asks 307 questions. He's asked, uh, I don't know, isn't that crazy? He's asked 183 questions, but he only directly answers three of them. That most of the time, Jesus is using questions to try to get his point across, to try to reach people with the gospel. And so today, we're going to talk about how to ask good questions and how to be good listeners for the sake of getting to know these people in our spheres of influence, for the sake of inviting them on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Preach it, Jude. So there are two basic types of questions that we're going to ask, okay? First, we wanna ask questions about their personal story. We wanna get to know the basics about who they are, where they've been in life, what their story is. And if the most basic fundamental tool that I want you to walk away with tonight is questions, the fundamental skill that I want you to walk away with in terms of asking good questions is this idea of asking open-ended questions. And so, for example, if you were first getting to know someone, um, which do you think would be a better question to ask? Are you from here, or where are you from? Where are you from? Are you from? Ramsey has a, a, a dissenting opinion. I know, hey,
1: where you Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh...
0: From sounds like a a closed-ended question, but but I guess it could be or couldn't be. Are you from here? Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably, you may not get a super long answer either one, right? Um, But um, those of you, I heard at least a couple, where are you from? Uh, What What made you all say that? More than a yes-no. So are you from here? Could be answered yes or no, right? Where are you from? What might that get you? I used to live in Boston,
1: then I moved down here, and I moved here for a job, and like, where it could just be, oh,
0: from Boston, and then that can be, oh, okay, you down here? Absolutely right. So you're going to get more, you know, where are you from? If they're from here, they're going to say Houston, right? But if they're from anywhere else, they're going to say, I'm from, you know, fill in the blank, and then like, Jennifer, so... um you know, wisely put, it it already creates opportunities for follow-up questions. So, good. Are you from here? Like, why, do I have an accent or something? (laughs) And obviously, uh, we'll talk a little bit about nonverbals in a little bit, but obviously, things like tone and stuff have a lot to do with it as well. Right. Exactly right, yeah. Um. So here's another one that, say you're like at a party or, or something, a birthday party, uh, you might ask someone, so how do you know Jennifer? What, what might a question like that um, tell you? Yeah. What might be some example relationships that if I'm I'm at a party, we were both invited by a mutual friend, and I ask, how do you know this person? What different types of answers might they give? Right, yeah. You know, we met at U of H, or we met in, uh, you know, underwater basket weaving club. I don't know. (laughs) can't think of anything. (laughs) Yeah, book club, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're already getting to know. You might even find out something you didn't know about the person that you already knew the, you know, the person who's hosting the party that you're like, oh, I didn't know that they were, you know, into chess or whatever it might be. Um, you might get a story. Yeah, absolutely right. That's good. Um, in fact, one of the, the people who I first kind of learned these concepts from, that was, that was the way he said, he was like, your goal is to get people telling stories. Like through the questions, the win is if you can get them telling a story. Yeah, that's great. Um, another one I like to ask, depending on where in the week we are, is you know, what did you do this weekend? Or what are your plans for this weekend? What um, might that tell you, or what opportunities might that present for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, hobbies, recreation. What, that
0: might, what might that tee you up to talk about? Which hopefully includes church, right? <laughs> that, you know, if they reciprocate the question, it gives you an opportunity to talk about your weekend. You're like, oh, I actually got to go to this meeting yesterday evening for this new church that I'm helping start called The Journey. Here's another one I like to ask uh, from time to time. What are you excited about? That's another one um, I like because that's one that people aren't too used to being asked. You know, so, you know, if you ask someone, how are you doing? Um, That's a great question to ask if it's asked in a genuine, from a genuine heart. But people are so used to being asked that question that it's just kind of a perfunctory greeting in our our culture, right? Where asking someone, hey, what are you excited about right now? Now, that's a question that, you know, most people aren't used to answering and, you know, we, we already said, you know, one major win is getting people to tell stories. Another, like, win is when they have to kind of pause to think about it. You know, they're like, oh, that's a good question, you know. Um, and uh, similar to what we talked about, that might get them talking about their hobbies or their passions, things like that. Um, the opportunities are, are endless. And so these are some uh, questions that I have found uh, helpful. But I want to open the floor. Is there a question that, as you've been trying to get to know people that you have found helpful, or maybe a question that someone once asked you that you were like, wow, that was a really good question. I remember when
1: I was going through the process of, of my what? what have you binged most recently?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's binging something, right? Uh, some some things are better than others. But yeah, you would get to know a lot about that person's interests, their hobbies, their media habits, right? It's good. What's your story? Yeah.
1: Especially if it's like a moment where neither of us are talking. What's your story? Yeah. Where are you from? Just ask, what's your story? They'll interpret that. They'll, they'll probably ask, What do you mean? Like, where I'm from? Where, you, where, where I grew up? What would let me
0: hear? I'd be like, Yes. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. What's your story? That's another good question.
1: Lady, he said, Um, I think it was the Cubs. He was like, Oh, do you like the Cubs? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I'm from Chicago. He's like, Oh, that's cool. So he made sure every time he saw her to talk about the Cubs game, and yeah, that was on like if you knew what, what had just happened, you know, with the Cubs or something. And it was cool because not only did he ask the question, but then it showed he genuinely cared. And, that's right. Um, you know, just it was an opportunity for him to connect
0: with somebody over something he loved. Absolutely. No, that, that's a good one. So sports memorabilia but really just sometimes what people are wearing if someone has like interesting earrings um and i didn't even think about this until you're sharing another one that i will often do is like ask people about tattoos you know if my barista you know hands me a you know a receipt or something and i see they have a forearm tattoo i'll be like oh that's a cool tattoo tell me about it and that'll tell you some deep stuff about people's lives really quickly um, for sure good so The whole idea is be creative, but the main principle is as much as possible asking open-ended questions, getting people talking about who they are, where they've been, what their story is, where they're from. But beyond just being good question askers, we want to be good listeners. We want to practice something called active listening. We just did that. Active listening. And so here are some traits that would be considered bad listening habits. So let's uh, I'll do some self-reflection and, and see if any of these hit home for us. So one bad listening habit would be changing the subject. You know, have you ever been in conversation with someone and you finally get ser- through sharing something that you really was really important to you and their response to you has like nothing to do with anything that you ever said? Uh, we might uh, have a conversation with one of our children about that fairly frequently. <laughs> It doesn't make you feel good, right? It's like, you know, you, were you even listening to me? Or another one, uh, kind of a subset of that one is making the conversation of, about yourself. We all know that person, right? That we get to the point where we don't want to say anything to them because we know no matter what it is we say about whatever topic, they're somehow going to make it about themselves, right? So we don't want to be that person um, that even when well-intentioned, uh, you know, there, there is a time and a place for, you know, trying to connect with someone. Like, let's say you ask where are you from and they say, you know, someplace and you're like, oh, you know, I'm from there too, right? There's, there's a time and a place for connecting with someone, finding common ground, but we always want to try to keep the focus of the conversation on the other person. Or how about this one? Thinking about how to respond before the other person is finished talking. I know I'm guilty of that one. Um, and again, often this comes from a good place, right? Like someone's sharing with us maybe a, a challenge that they're facing and we want to be helpful. And so we're trying to think like, okay, what, what can I say to this person that would be helpful? And that's, that's a good intention. But you know what is most often the most helpful thing you can do? It's listen to them. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in a conversation with someone. They're sharing with me something that's going on in their life, some hardship they're facing, and I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm going to say to this person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, I have I have no idea what to, you know, advice to give them. But I just keep my mouth shut. And by the time they're finished talking, the number of times I've had someone go, wow, that was really helpful. Or wow, I feel so much better. Thanks. And I did nothing but sit there and listen. So Before we say anything, we want to listen. They will feel more loved, and actually, by the time it's your turn to to speak, you will actually be better equipped to give a better response because you'll have actually heard everything that they said. All right, this next one is a pet peeve of mine, even though, again, I'm guilty of it. Getting distracted by the phone or the watch. It's one of the reasons why Jennifer and I absolutely refuse to get Apple Watches um, we did get ourselves these uh, step tracker watches for each other for for Christmas, but we specifically got ones that are not super smart <laughs> that you can't do a ton of stuff with, and have specifically set them up so that our text message and phone calls do not go to our watch. I remember watching uh, a video of Simon Sinek. It was a, a talk that he was giving, and he said just blank, no exceptions. It should be a rule in meetings that no phone should be allowed to be out. Because what happens is, is when a phone is sitting there on the table or the desk, you know, it's just this constant distraction. None of us is uh, immune to that, right? This, our rectangle starts glowing and our eyes and our attention are just drawn to it. And we're implicitly sending the message that whatever just flashed on our phone is more important than the person we're talking to. And then, so what do most of us do? Well, most of us go, okay, we want to be polite, we don't want to be distracted, so we just turn the phone over. It's really not that much better. It's still there, it's still drawing mental and emotional energy away from the, the person that's talking to us. So, again, I'm not perfect uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I, my phone pretty much lives on do not disturb, and I try my best to have it out of the way when I'm meeting and talking. Another one that I am far too guilty of, or far too often, is offering unsolicited advice or opinions. Uh, this goes with the one that we were talking about of thinking about how to respond before the other person's finished talking. Um, most often, they need us to listen. Um, if I do feel compelled to try to share something, what I'm trying to do is is get in the habit of just asking the person before I share. "Hey, you know?" Showing sympathy, listening, uh, the other good listening habits that we'll talk about in a moment. But before I share anything, just asking permission. Hey, you mind if I share some ideas that I had that you might find helpful? The next bad habit is interrupting. Again, guilty as charged. Um, When we interrupt, what we are communicating is that what we have to say is more important than what the other person has to say. And so not only are we missing what they have to say in that moment, but if we make it a habit of interrupting, they'll just stop opening up to us at all. And then last but not least, communication experts say that between 70 and 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so we don't want to be sending negative nonverbal signals. So that could be things like lack of appropriate eye contact, crossing our arms, head down, frowning. And I share this as someone with a diagnosed clinical level of RBF. Okay, <laughs> uh, so we want to make sure that our posture, our facial expressions are con- communicating that we're listening and that we care. Um, I cannot tell you how many times growing up, and occasionally even now, but thankfully uh, less, the number of times people would ask me, "You okay? You look angry." <laughs> yes, I'm fine. So. Um, you know, we want to work on our nonverbal uh, communication as well. So I kind of did some confession before y'all. Um, this It's okay. This is a safe place. I'm just curious. Any one of these feel particularly convicting to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It is hard. right 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 this is their problem
0: right that you can you can share like if you have an experience that you think is similar then maybe you can tap into some what they might be feeling you can say i bet you feel blank oh yes i do you know
1: Yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah, definitely those of us, myself included, that are are slower processors, right? That we're not necessarily good off the cuff. We're like, okay, I got to, you know, think about preparing my response. But again, while well-intentioned and good, means that we're, we're missing what the person has to say.
1: Mm -hmm. It comes out of a place of wanting to buy the label.
0: So again, this is a safe space. We're we're not trying to heap judgment on one another. Uh, it's just an opportunity to to self reflect. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, I, I do a lot of
1: interrupts because I, do, I feel I have the solution right
0: away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: in the first couple.
0: of weeks. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, often, you know, some of the people that are are like that, and you know, that in my experience, that are kind of interrupters because they just want to. They're like, I have your solution. A lot of times they are right you know oftentimes their 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 wisdom is pretty solid um but again at the very least you run the risk of not fully understanding the issue um but again more often what that person feels in that moment is not necessarily oh my gosh i'm so glad that steve cut me off to share his brilliant wisdom it's like i wasn't even done talking dude right that's good i appreciate all y'all's vulnerability and, and honesty just now. We all certainly have room uh, to grow in this area. So if those are some of the bad listening habits that we want to avoid, what are some of the good listening habits that we want to cultivate? Most of these are gonna be pretty obvious because they're basically the opposite of the bad habits that we talked about. So first one, like we were just talking about, good listeners, let the other person finish talking. That that's simple as that, that if, if, if we would just, eat, Practice that and make a, make a, a, a focused goal of ours after tonight to be like, you know what? In my conversation, I'm just going to try to consciously let the other person finish talking before interrupting, before thinking about what I'm going to say, before thinking about my story that relates to their story. I'm just I'm going to let them finish talking. Going back to one of the first tips that Jennifer shared as we were talking earlier, good listeners ask thoughtful follow-up questions. So it's not that good listeners never speak, but even when they speak, what they say and how they say it communicates that they're actually listening. So what do you all think? How might asking thoughtful follow-up questions communicate that someone is truly listening? Yeah, right that you had to take what they were saying, you had to think about it, and then, you know, respond with something good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: What comes to my mind is, um, again, there, there are some questions that we're just kind of socialized into asking. Hey, how are you doing? Right? You're asked that because that's just what we do. Right? But when you start going to that follow-up question, you start communicating, wow, this person really cares. You know, they didn't just ask, how are you doing? Or, you know, what do you do for a living? But they're, they're showing genuine interest to want to dive deeper. In addition to asking good follow-up questions, good listeners also will often paraphrase or summarize back to someone what they said to them. Why do y'all think that might be important? Mm-hmm. Those you listening,
1: yeah. you know yeah nobody's
0: ever like but i appreciate that they help me directed yeah about I mean. yeah absolutely so kind of scenario one is you paraphrase or summarize back to someone what they said and they go yeah that's right you know kind of that like i you you know you feel this right yeah i do so that's scenario one scenario two is well actually you know and like you said they're they're never like offended that You know, you didn't get it absolutely right. So it offers an opportunity for for them to to clarify and for you to to have a clearer understanding as well. Good. In contrast to some of the negative nonverbals we discussed, good listeners have positive nonverbals. They smile. They make appropriate eye contact. They might gently nod their head and, and things like this. And then finally, good listeners seek to be a sympathetic, caring friend rather than someone with all of the answers. And so uh, I'm curious. uh, We sure a lot of us, as we were talking through the bad listening habits, were feeling one, convicted, but two, also thinking like, yeah, so-and-so always does that and it's so annoying. Now let's think of uh, positive examples. As we we think about people who are good listeners in our lives, I'm curious, anybody come to your mind, uh, someone you know who you would call a good listener? Your wife, yeah, Jessica. You might tell a lot of stories, but she she listens really well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's great. That's great. (laughs) Want <laughs> an argument my argument in my house. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely. so listening, empathetic ear. Um, I'll take a moment to brag on my wife, Jennifer, as I'm sure everyone has figured out at this point is an amazing listener um, i'm I think I've shared this before, but I'm always amazed you know she'll come home from the the grocery store and tell me how the cashier just started telling her his or her entire life story and <laughs> Inevitably, I'll go. You know, I'll ask her. I'm like, "How did you get them to do that?" She just goes, "I don't know. I just said hi," but it's again, it's it's that the nonverbals, right? It's the tone that when she says, "Hi, how's your day?" the way that she does it communicates. This isn't just the you know perfunctory, "Hey, how you doing?" It's like, no, I think this person genuinely cares, wants to know how my day is going, and so I will literally study Jennifer. I will watch her interacting with people, and I'll say, "Okay, what is it she's doing that you know is that she does that so well or sometimes i'll point blank ask her like, "You know what did you do or when you're in this sort of situation, this sort of conversation what's what's going on in your mind and so maybe for for all of us, you know an action step for tonight is to to think of those good listeners our, our lives and, and start to study them and start to try to emulate them start and like I've done with Jennifer on countless occasions, like straight up ask them, like, hey, you know, you came to my mind as as someone who's just always such a good listener. Can I just pick your brain a little bit on, you know, listening? Is that something that comes natural to you? Or is that something that you've had, that like a learned skill? Are there certain things that you think as you're listening to someone that has allowed you to become a good listener? And so we want to be good question askers and we want to be good Listeners, we want to ask thoughtful, open-ended questions, and we want to actively listen. First, to get to know someone's personal story, where they grew up, about their family, what they do for a living, hobbies, passions, and so on. But ultimately, for our purpose, we want to try to take those conversations deeper, and we want to begin to ask questions about someone's worldview story. Now, in many of the contexts that we're talking about, this this is not going to happen necessarily in your first conversation with someone, maybe not even your second or third conversation, but over time, as we build rapport and trust with people, we want to start to ask them questions geared towards discerning where they are on their spiritual journey. So this is going to involve asking some more pointed questions that frankly may make some of us a little nervous at first, but again. Who better to learn from than the master himself? So there's this famous story in the Gospels where Jesus comes to his disciples and he asks them a couple of pointed spiritual questions that really quickly draw out where they are in their spiritual journeys at this point. Here's how Mark records the conversation. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter Peter answered him, you are the Christ. So Jesus asked one question to get the conversation explicitly to a spiritual place, and then another more pointed question that revealed where Peter and the other disciples were on their spiritual journey at this point. So just like we we kind of brainstormed a list of possible personal story questions, let's, let's talk through some possible worldview story questions. And so um, maybe you're talking with someone, like we talked about earlier, asking them about what they did that weekend and when... Um, It's reciprocated uh, to you. You say, "Oh, I went to this new meeting for this church plan I'm helping to start." I'm curious. do, Do you have a particular faith? Or you could ask someone, "Did you grow up in church?" And often, people will give you more than a simple yes or no question or no yes or no answer on this. I've been in multiple conversations with some of our my top five with some of the people in our spiritual. Sears of Influence recently, and I asked this question, hey, did you grow up in church? And they freely offered up a lot of questions, or a lot of information. Um, You know, something like, well, I, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, but I don't really do that stuff anymore. Or, you know, I grew up in church, but, you know, I'm kind of burned out on organized religion. So, you know, and they just go on, On and on and on. And so not only did I learn about their spiritual background, if whether or not they grew up in church, but they also freely offered up basically where they were currently on their spiritual journey. And I would like to think that the reason why they felt comfortable just sharing all of that uh, freely was because of the work that I had put in beforehand, building a safe and trusting relationship with them. One of the most important questions that we can ask is the question that Jesus himself asked. Who do you think Jesus is? In many ways, that is the most important spiritual question for any of us to answer. Or you could ask a a, a softer question, something like, how would you describe where you are in your spiritual journey right now? And then last but not least, perhaps one of the most important but most neglected questions you can ask someone, after they share something going on in their life, is, can I pray for you about that? Very few people, regardless of what they believe, will turn down that offer. And in fact, one of the people in our life that had one of those stories that I I just shared, recently went through some hard things in his life and just freely asked, hey, would you all pray for us? Would you pray about this? And so at the right time, we begin to ask questions about someone's worldview story. And at this point, we're not trying to um, put, you know, we're not trying to share anything or change their mind about anything. We just want to get what Dr. Daryl Bach calls a a spiritual GPS reading on this person. We just want to try to get to understand what they believe and why they believe it. And we're going to, um, sorry, We're we're trying to get to know where they are on their spiritual journey. Now, next week, Stephen's going to teach us more about what to do once we begin to to discern where they are on their spiritual journey. Um, But as we we draw near to a close, let me teach you the two most important questions. That if you forget, basically any other ideas that we we share tonight, these these are two that I would commend you to to commit to memory. The first one is. What do you mean by that? And the second one is how did you come to that conclusion? So the first one is all about getting increased clarity and as much information as possible. So we wanna ask some version of the question, what do you mean by that? So if someone says, you know, we're all God, everything's God, you're God, I'm God, this chair is God. What do you mean by that? If someone says, I don't think we can know for sure whether or not there's a God. What do you mean by that? Someone says, ah, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. What do you mean by that? Now, you don't have to use those exact words, but what we're trying to to get at is, is just crystal clarity about what that person believes. And then we want to discern why they believe what they believe. We want to ask some version of the question, how did you come to that conclusion? Ah, everyone and everything is God. Oh, interesting. How did you come to that conclusion? Oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. How did you come to that conclusion? In fact, I I recently heard a friend of mine share a story where she did this. That she was in a a group of friends and, uh, what did you call it? Interviewing? Uh, She was in a group of friends interviewing this guy that one of their friends had recently begun dating. And I don't even know how it came up, but he said something. He said this idea, you know, that we can't really trust the Bible because all we have is copies of copies of copies and translations of translations and translations. And it's basically a tele- game of telephone that's been going on for 2,000 years. So we can't trust what the Bible has to say about anything. Now, this friend is seminary trained, well versed in apologetics. She leads an apologetics ministry here in town. She could have easily just started like, going off on this guy, talking about why we can trust the Bible that we have. But instead, she just asked a question. She said, well, how did you come to that conclusion? And you know what his response was? He said, actually, to be honest, I don't really know. And so just like that, with one question, she put a rock in his shoe and got him, planted a little seed of doubt, of his doubts. And remember, we're not even trying to get to the step of being curious or believing, but sometimes even just our efforts for that person to be known can already start to bear spiritual fruit. So the two most important questions, what do you mean by that? And how, do you, how did you come to that conclusion? And when all else fails, tell me more. So part of the reason why I reserved sharing a story from our outreach on Friday was because I knew this was going to come up. Um, Ramsey and Steven can uh, testify. So I'll tell a cool, uh, one cool story. So the four of us met and Steven was kind of giving us a rundown, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is how this is going to work. And right as we're at the point of like, okay, ready, break. And Ramsey and I were going to go one direction and Steven and and Greg were going to go the other direction. I literally turned around and almost run into a, a gentleman that came up to us and says, hey, are y'all from Houston? And we g- begin getting to know this guy. He was stopping in town. He's uh, from Mobile on his way to visit a family member in Corpus and was just wanting to sightsee a little bit in town. And so we got to ask questions. And again, Stephen and Ramsey can vouch that the, the three words that I said more than any other in that conversation was, tell me more. You know, What do you think God is like? Well, I think he's like this. Well, tell me more about that. Or how, what do you think about people? Are we born good? Are we born bad? Are we born neutral? What, what, I think this. Well, tell me more about that. So three most powerful words that we can fall back on in a conversation as we're trying to get to know people, their personal story, and their worldview story just tell me no. Tell me more. Often we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to have the right responses, that we have to know the right thing to say in any in every situation. But the most important thing, especially when we're trying to take someone from unknown to known, is to keep them talking. And often all it takes is those three simple words, tell me more. Um, For time purposes, we're gonna skip a a game that we call 100 questions, but I wanna challenge you to do this uh, with uh, someone from this circle sometime this week. So um, if your, your spouse is, is here, you have it easy, um, you can do that with them. But what I want you to practice is doing this, just asking open-ended questions. So the way this, this game works is you, you partner up with someone and you take turns, one person being the question asker and then the other person being the answerer. And when you're the question asker, you are only allowed to ask questions. You're just trying to f- ask one follow-up question after the other, trying to keep them open-ended, starting with personal story questions, and then at some point try to shift the conversation to the worldview story questions. Um, again, this is not how um, regular conversations work. You're probably not going to get to a worldview question within you know three minutes of talking to someone. And yes, there is a time for making comments, not just asking questions, but this is just a helpful exercise that for most of us is probably going to feel kind of uncomfortable uh, at first, but the whole idea is that if we want to be comfortable out there, we need to be comfortable in here. We need to practice in here where it, it's safe. And so I want you all to, to practice this uh, 100 questions game with someone from our mission team. Um, sometime this week. And then the other thing I have for you this week is to continue to take things deeper with your top five. So we've challenged you to have a top five. Stephen then challenged us last week to try to go deeper, writing out spiritual uh, biographies for the people in our top five. And so now we want to take it one level deeper. This week, I want you to have an intentional conversation. And by intentional conversation, I mean you are seeking to ask good, open-ended questions and actively listening with someone from your top five. Some of you, that may you know, mean calling them or texting them and inviting them to coffee or, or lunch or dinner. But again, part of the idea of this top five is that God has already placed people in your life, that there are people that you already interact with, on a daily and weekly basis where you live work learn and play so for some of you it just means that conversation you know around the water cooler with your coworker or whatever the case may be just trying to be a little bit more intentional with that time trying to to probe a little bit deeper getting to know a little bit more about their personal story at the very least and maybe if the lord presents the right opportunity trying to take it a level deeper and asking one of those worldview story those those spiritual Journey questions. So let's help people take their first step towards discovering the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. Let's help them go from unknown to known. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a relational God, that you want to know us, that you want to have a relationship with us. And as we grow in our relationship with you, you are sending us out into the world to invite people on a journey to discover the truth, goodness, and beauty of the Christian story. And while that can seem so massive and huge and intimidating, Lord, thank you for the reminder that it starts with just being known, that it starts with just being intentional with the people that you've placed around us, trying to learn how to ask good questions, learning how to be better listeners. And just that's it at first, Lord, of just getting to know them, getting to know their story, what is their personal story, and what is their worldview story that is driving their life. And so that we can build on that, which we'll learn more about in the coming weeks, Lord. So would you help us to be mindful and intentional in our conversations this week, Lord, conversations that we intentionally schedule for these ends, Lord, but also just conversations that we have in the natural course of the everyday stuff of life. Ultimately, all for your glory and for their good. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Church Houston podcast. For more resources and to connect with us, including to learn how you can be a part of the journey, visit thejourneyhouston.org.